0: There seems to be a natural arc to youth camp. It builds and inevitably on the last night is like this climactic scene of a movie. Everybody's crying in their youth group time after the final sir after the final worship service. Everybody's gonna go to Africa, everybody's gonna be missionaries, everybody's gonna go dig wells. The next day though, so literally 16 hours after we had Weepy Weepy time, the people behind me who had been cried the most were deciding which field party they were gonna go get drunk in that night.
1: Damn I'm glad I didn't making- Hey
0: everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, we're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We haven't met, my name is Jonathan Crone, and we're joined as always by our co-host Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Hey, what's up? I'm excited for
1: this topic. And honestly, uh, Jonathan, this topic that we're talking about today is a long time coming. It's probably something we should have done a long time ago.
0: Yeah, we probably should have hit it in season one, maybe season two. But the idea is doubts and deconstruction. And so we've hit on this a few times here and there, but we haven't really dove into the idea of deconstruction for a full episode yet. And so... If you don't know what deconstruction is, um, good for you. I'm glad. But um, there's a movement across the country, and it's really been going on for a few years. Uh, People have just started paying attention to it more in the past couple months. But people who are mainly in their late 20s, their 30s, their 40s, they're deconstructing the faith that they were taught as kids. And as a response to that, there's been some. Uh, probably at best, out of touch, at worst, unsympathetic things that were said by church leaders and pastors in response to that. Um, If you want to dive more into deconstruction after you listen to this, there's a really great podcast called The Good Faith Podcast, uh, and they do an episode on deconstruction. Um, That is a really great episode that um, people smarter than me and Eric talking about it. Um, so you can dive into that, but the deconstruction movement actually isn't that different than some of the movements we've seen in the past. Um, Uh, it's just in response to different things.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, especially if you, if you remember, you know, for those of our listeners who are mostly, I guess, kind of in their thirties, maybe older, younger on that side, if you were to just go back and go through what has happened, this isn't like a brand new thing. I think it's just a next evolution of what's happened. So, you know, we kind of had the uh, the post-war baby-boomer generation, things like that. Then, and that was all about morals and white picket fence. And you know, we can argue about uh, behind the scenes, not everybody was moral and equal, and it wasn't a, a great, you know. But it was a, kind of a whitewashed view of society. Then you had the sexual revolution of the '60s and '70s, um, which led into this kind of moral majority pushback through the Reagan years and that led church into this like coming out of those two different responses to each other into this seeker movement where now you had people like uh, Bill Hybels and like Rick Warren and like you know those sorts of people Chuck Smith and other people that that are starting these churches that want to break away from the mainline denominations to try and get people to come back to church because now you've got these children of the 60s and 70s that are having kids and starting to realize, oh, crap, I've got I've to have some sort of moral foundation because I don't want my kids going growing up the way I did type of deal or whatever. And then as you go on into really where our youth group culture led out of, you had this emergent movement, which was kind of postmodern, fighting against some other things. And now on the other end of seeker emergence, we've got this Deconstruction, uh, which is where we're kind of left with today, because we've had, uh, you know, we're we're not in the sexual revolution, but more so, I think we're kind of more in the, I don't know what you would call it, more of like the moral revolution or the the love revolution of, you know, now things we're talking about uh, LGBTQ plus we're talking about equality for, uh, you know, different races and things like that, that has been talked about in a, in a level, not quite the same. And now I think Christianity is, is smacking right into that conversation. And that's really where deconstruction comes in, I think for, um, for people who've grown up in the church. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Yeah we typically ask the question around here, what was bad about whatever the issue we're talking about that day? Where did we go wrong? For this week, for this conversation, um, deconstruction is a response to what was taught. So I think we have to phrase our question a little differently. We have to ask, what did we do that's causing so many people to reevaluate their faith and to deconstruct the things that they were taught in church? And as We look at that idea. The first thing I think we have to point out is that the single biggest reason young people leave the church after high school is because there's no place to work out their doubts and questions. We as a church haven't created an environment where we allow doubting and questioning. Mm -hmm. We just tell people, you just got to have faith. Or we shame them when they ask us hard questions about gender issues or like the LGBTQ plus or racial issues or biblical inerrancy or all the things that seem to be contradicting each other in the Bible. If you're reading it from just a purely topical standpoint, you, you see, like we mentioned in the heaven and hell episode, we've mentioned other places that you can justify pretty much everything by picking and choosing scripture To back it up. And so now what we're seeing is there's a line of progressive Christianity that's saying, hey, the Bible actually says this, so you should be thinking this way. And so when people in the church, especially conservative churches, when they start asking questions, we don't really give them space to explore and answer those questions. Yeah. It's a lot
1: of like how they brought up too. is like the because I said so, or because the Bible said so. And I think it's very important. Um, you know, I've heard Andy Stanley talk about this a lot and he got a a ton of flack for, um, you know, the way that, that he's approaching the Bible. And he's actually taken a lot of that language out where he, if you listen to an Andy Stanley sermon in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, he doesn't say the Bible says he actually references the individual author in the Bible, or, you know, he doesn't attach it to something, some level of like authority that non-Christian people just don't understand, because that doesn't really help in the same ways as you're raising your kids. If you go, don't do that. And they say, why? Because I said so. Well, guess what? When you're not around anymore, that decision isn't going to be made the right way anymore.
0: Yeah, I think, and this is possibly a landmine here, but I want to get into it. I think a lot of it is there was a generation that took for granted what their pastor said Mm -hmm. and just repeated what their pastor said instead of reading the Bible and learning it for themselves. And so our generation was taught a lot of, well, the Bible says this so go do it. And it wasn't necessarily when, when we had the ability to go and check, Did the Bible actually say that? And we had questions around it. The people teaching us and telling us, well, the Bible, you just got to trust the Bible that says they got to trust God, right? They didn't really have the answer. And so they weren't comfortable with us questioning or doubting or anything. So a lot of the people who are now loudly deconstructing are the ones who were shamed into just believing in their teens or their 20s but now they see a community of others who are asking the same questions and they're they're no longer willing to accept, well, the Bible just says so, or you just got to have faith. They want a legitimate answer and are seeking to find a legitimate, almost scholarly answer of, no, What's what's the actual answer to this question mm-hmm. that I have?
1: Yeah, and you think about that too. You know, if you go back, like you said, maybe a generation or two, the only place that you would get your biblical wisdom from is in a room with a person speaking to you and so in your room your your church with your pastor and what they said you might be a part of a tape ministry or you might be you know you might listen to christian radio and hear other preachers but for the most part it was very curated as to those things and so you didn't really have access to other thoughts and opinions and viewpoints obviously you have access to the bible which you should read but again most people aren't biblical scholars you know joe and jane bucket going to work every day they don't you know we don't care we're it's like that we read what we read and that's it but then once the internet comes out and once you start to stream and churches and feelings and thoughts and opinions and and more so decentralizing um where the holding the reins of the gospel becomes and now you have people that are saying hey what what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And you have the uh, usually men, usually older white men that are leading these churches now are having their congregations getting information from outside of the room that they control. And because the hierarchy in many churches was built on control, whether intentional or not, um, now that that structure is starting to decentralize, I think the church has a hard time reacting to how to actually start making space where space wasn't made before.
0: So on the one hand, you have access to information and questions and um, legitimately trying to find answers to hard questions and doubts and those things. So that's that's one part of what's leading to this deconstruction. The other part, and this is the one that, um, I think is likely more significant not to uh, take away from the other side, but um, I don't want to get into a big political discussion today because we're going to do an entire series on our entire season on political issues in the fall. But over the last five years, you've seen a lot of Christians say they believe one thing and then do something else because mm-hmm. their political or personal preference doesn't line up with their stated theology. Yep. Um, it's the old Brennan Manning quote you've probably heard this before Eric um, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable
1: What if, if I you're stole? like me what if I fall
0: <laughs> if you're lucky you are like me um, you were introduced to that quote through DC Talk and that's how we get DC Talk into yet another episode of this podcast but You've seen people who say they believe something and then they act something different. And so that's left people questioning and doubting as well. So you combine, we have more access to information that says something different than what I was taught. We have these people who taught me these things are acting differently than they say they believe. And so now I have questions and I want answers. Mm-hmm. And so and- that is what is leading to people deconstructing their faith and trying to find out what they really believe. Yeah. And then the,
1: think about the reaction to that. I have questions and I want answers and instead of. And this isn't everybody, right? This is like not all church leaders hashtag, but like it's most of them, right? Where you get the reaction to, I have questions and I'm quote unquote deconstructing. And I saw this, this clip from Matt Chandler the other day, which I felt, I was like, oh, Matt, man, come on, bro. But, you know, he was talking about deconstruction and he said, I would argue that if you are deconstructing your faith and blah, 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 that you really didn't, basically along the lines of like, you didn't really have faith to begin with. Oh gosh. Okay, so so many church leaders, when when brought up with, I have questions now about what I've been told. Hey, on, let, me interrupt, told me. let yeah. me interrupt you. Let me interrupt
0: you because I don't fully disagree with what Chandler said, but the way he said it was totally unsympathetic to people who are going through this. And and that's what basically I'm is he a, just told people, if you have questions or doubts, you didn't know Jesus to begin with. Yes, when and that's what I'm getting. I at. look at someone like me. I have questions I had, I went through this process years ago. So I'm, I, I'm a deconstruction hipster. I was doing it before it was cool, but the thing that kept me from completely leaving my faith was that I had had a personal interaction with the grace of Jesus. So I don't think he's totally wrong. I just think he, he answered it in a way that showed no empathy or sympathy for someone asking questions.
1: Right. And that's what I'm saying is like, that's the reaction to the deconstruction kind of movement is there are too many people in power that are afraid to have the conversation. And so, or, or they're just unsympathetic to it. And their reaction is to try and quell it rather than encourage those conversations. So in the same way, and I just, I keep going back to parenting because this is like, it's, it's big time bringing up these moments for me. It's like when I tell my kid, don't do that, just don't do that, or I react really quickly and tell them not to, or you know, my sons are crying and I say, you don't need to cry. I'll give you something to cry about, right? Oh, no, this isn't that bad. Like I am completely downplaying whatever is real to them instead of stepping in as someone who is confident in what I know to be able to step in and go, okay, what? Well, yeah, tell me about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, oh, man that isn't right that, that, that happened to you. That isn't right that you're feeling that. Okay. Let's walk forward in the, in the truth in what happened. And so when somebody brings up and says, Hey, you know what? I had a youth group leader one time that told me, uh, that if I had uh, premarital sex, I was going to hell, you know, it's like, well, Okay. All right. Let's talk about that. That conversation, you know, probably, you know, or whatever I had someone who abused their power or they told me this, or their faith was based on that. Uh, or like we talked about last episode, if I prayed with my hands folded, the devil was going to sit on my hands and steal my so, prayers. So like, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, uh, we need to step into some of those places where it was wrong and not be afraid. You know, it's the baby with the bathwater thing. That's what I think people are afraid of. And I've seen quotes of, uh, along those lines where it's like a Christian leader will say, well, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater when it talks about the deconstruction. It's like, yeah, you're, you're right, but you can still dig down. But into, there's pee in the bathwater, so we need yeah, to clean it out. Exactly. Yeah, you still need to throw the, ba- the dirty bathwater out. Otherwise, the baby's going to die anyway. You know, and, and that's what I think you're seeing is I would ask, I would ask the people that are reacting that way. Like, is your reaction to that movement helping? Is it helping people come back to faith by saying, oh no, well, you're just not a true believer. And I mean, and that's a sign which we might not want to go down this road, but like the true believer type of conversation is a key indication of abuse and of cultism Because when you have a true believer moment, hey, well, you weren't really a true believer in the first place. The true believers wouldn't discredit their, you know, wouldn't deconstruct their faith, and it's like, oh, okay, all right,
0: great. That's that's a completely different topic. Yeah, because deconstruction has been happening since the cross. Um, What do you think Martin Luther
1: Luther was was doing when he stamped the, you know, when when Martin Luther? The reason why we're not Catholic right now is because at some point Martin Luther deconstructed the faith.
0: Yeah. And so that uh, deconstruction, going back to the cross thing, that comes from that good faith podcast. So I I, want to give them credit for that because I stole it from them. Right. Um, When we look at deconstruction as well. um, So we've talked about the, I have questions. I want answers. We've talked about the part of um, Christians not acting the way they say they believe. The third piece of the deconstruction recipe is that there's been a lot of hurt and scandal in the church, and a lot of it was covered up or dealt with improperly. And yeah. so when you believe, when the people you trust, when you when they're the people you believe God has called to lead you, to teach you, to care for you, and then those people are found to be living lives contrary to what they're teaching, it hurts. Yes, there, it, There's an emotional hurt there. When it's found out that those people were covering up what they did in order to stay in power, that pisses you off. It angers you. When you realize that those people were gaslighting or manipulating or abusing others in order to keep the cover up going, it can make it impossible to believe the things that they were teaching. So we, the idea of this, your sins will find you out. Um, Deconstruction I believe is a it's the next step in your sins finding you out. Mm-hmm. If you did things that were terrible to people, if you had um if you were a ministry leader and had an affair and covered it up, if you were Robbie Zacharias and you abused people, if you were Mark Driscoll and you um won't, Zacharias was sexual abuse, Driscoll was emotional and spiritual abuse, but When you do these things, there are consequences. There is fallout and the deconstruction movement is the fallout to those Mm -hmm. terrible things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think about every time, like every time, uh, Joel Osteen is in the news, why is he in the news? Right. It's because, uh, a hurricane or power what was a hurricane happen or a power outage happened and he wouldn't let anybody or his church wouldn't let anybody in their, in their church. Okay. So they're not, do, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, there's a 600, what was it? $600,000 found in the plumbing in, in his church, you know, like there's just money issues there. And so like, why are these things brought up? It's that way. And then how come Christians are either, are you know, there's, you know, Great they are taking knocks at these guys because these scandals keep popping up. So even if you're a quote unquote non-deconstructing Christian, you still know and believe that this is true. That's why if you talk to your lead pastor, there's a list of five or six pastors or preachers he would tell you not to listen to or he'd have a problem with. Why? Because something that they're doing in their life doesn't line up with scripture. So it's, you know, you know it to be true in general, even if you're not on kind of a deconstructing journey.
0: So you take, you take a look at the, we, like Eric mentioned earlier, we now have access to more information, which is causing more questions, but we also have access to more stories of pastors doing terrible things. And And so that causes more stories from,
1: more stories from victims because so much of it, you get silenced as well, where you go, I thought I was the only one going through it. And now other people come out and say, this has happened as well. And so your story Uh, gains power because other people are sharing their stories as well. And I can just talk about it from people in my family, from stories that I've heard about people that were being abused by people in leadership. And then what do you have happen? This is, this is what happens sometimes we've talked about this on on previous podcasts where it's like they keep quiet because they were manipulated into keeping quiet because uh, I mean, you know, look at how much good Mars Hill is doing. So nobody speak up against Mark Driscoll. Look at how much Ravi Zacharias, how much good his preaching has done and his teaching and his writings have done. So we shouldn't bring this up because if you bring it up, you're going to tear them down and all the good that they're doing for the gospel. And it's like, that is garbage. That's garbage. And and I'll just 100% and you can, you can go on the side, like
0: look at Liberty, where I have two degrees from like, no one would ever call Jerry Falwell Jr. on his stuff because he was bringing in so much money. And obviously, if the school was being that successful, then wasn't that God's blessing. So we can overlook yep. it and not pay attention to the bad things that were going on sexually and uh, corporately and within the culture of the staff and the, the all those things. So there's all sorts of stuff there. And so what used to be one person in their room having questions maybe asking a friend or two because the internet there's now a community of people around. It. Yes. And so we've been talking about the church side of things. What did the church do wrong? But one of the things that we also want to acknowledge is there are negatives within the deconstruction movement too. And there are landmines that have kind of popped up within that movement as well. Um, to start with the where I like to go is what began as individuals trying to work out their faith with fear and trembling. That's a biblical principle. Mm -hmm. That's what we used to always see. What it has turned into, um, I don't want to throw a blanket on this because it's not all the time and everyone deconstructing, but at times it has turned into a groupthink mentality of following whatever criticism of the church is popular today and just mindlessly jumping on that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between like taking uh, an honest look at your faith and trying to separate out, like we said, separate the baby out from the bathwater, right? The dirty bathwater and figure out what we need to save and what we need to get rid of. And then just taking a dump on everything. And I think it's like, it's popular to dunk on people. It's popular to dunk on situations. So yeah, the, the counter side of this is like, if you're just angry at what happened And your heart and intent is just to dunk on people or just to get your own anger out. Like, first of all, I want to validate that whatever happened to you uh, sucks and what you're going through sucks and you shouldn't be going through that. Uh, But I know it was wrong that that it happened to you and it's wrong that it happened to you. Uh, What won't help is just dunking on, you know, trying to pile on those situations. That's ultimately at some point you're going to have to take a, a clear view and understanding and go, okay, what's rational here, as opposed to just being on the bandwagon of mega churches suck or pastors suck or see, this is why religion and blah, 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 you know, like that. That's great. But you're not, you're not helping move forward and and you're
0: only just galvanizing the other side as well. Correct. Because (laughs) If you're deconstructing, you may not believe this, but one of the beliefs that we hold to is that because of sin, people suck. Because of sin, people are going to do terrible things. And unfortunately, that includes systems and organizations as well. And so if you've been hurt by a system, by an organization, by a church, I 100% acknowledge how terrible it was. And Unfortunately, there are so many examples of terrible organizations doing things like that. Um, but I would argue they don't represent Jesus, the accurate Jesus, when they do that. Um, we'll get more into that as we close this, as we look at like what we got right and where we move from here. But one of the other criticisms I would have of the deconstruction movement is that at times, what start as valid criticisms of the church, usually the evangelical church and valid questions of Christianity in general, they can be overshadowed at times by personal, political, um, or societal beliefs. So just like the evangelical Christian who filters the Bible through their conservative belief, many in the deconstruction movement, they're falling into the same trap of filtering the Bible through their progressive beliefs right. and picking and choosing there. And so they begin to use the Bible to justify their beliefs instead of letting it inform their beliefs, just as the people who they're trying to dis- deconstruct from do the same exact thing just on the opposite side of the coin. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that and and we've we've hinted at this
1: political episode for so long because so much is wrapped into politics here. And so uh and that's that's gonna happen. So we won't get too far into politics. But yeah, I I totally agree. Like uh I think I told you the other day, like there's there's a uh there's a mom at the drop off line in my kids' school who has a bedazzled sign in her window or a sticker on her window that says, Let's go, Brandon. And then right under that is a sticker (laughs) and magnet for her church, which I know for a fact that that church tells you not to cuss and also says that saying things like shoot and darn and heck are all substitutions for what you know, you want to say anyway. So like the let's go Brandon, Right above it. You know exactly what you're doing and you're justifying it. You're using, and you're using your it first. Yeah.
0: For those that don't know, Let's Go Brandon is a euphemism for F Joe Biden that right. came from a NASCAR race where fans were chanting F Joe Biden mm-hmm. and the reporter who was interviewing someone. She was interviewing a guy Brandon. named Brandon. Yeah. And she said they're saying let's go Brandon. So now political conservatives have taken the let's go Brandon as a I don't want to say Christianized version, but um a a clean version of how to say F. Joe, F. Biden. Joe Biden. So yeah, she she's got F. Joe Biden right above I go to this church. Right above this, this church, yeah. And like, you
1: know. So, and I and I go back to when uh, Obama during his eight years, the things that Christian Republicans said about about him racially and other things like that. It's weird because you go like you're a conservative Christian first, or you're a conservative political whatever ideology first, and then you use the the pieces of scripture that justify. That And the same thing happens um, in an unhealthy way on the progressive left as well, where, you know, it's like, well, uh, Jesus would have been a, Jesus was a socialist or Jesus was a communist. It's like, first of all, socialism and communism, that wasn't a thing back then anyway. So there wasn't like that theory wasn't there. You know, and there's other pieces where it's like, because I believe first this moral political stance, I'm now going to use the Bible to justify this moral political stance. Rather than being able to hold it uh, as a as a yes and and saying okay where where is it and I, and I really respect a guy like Tim Keller who came out and he said you know uh, when somebody asks a Christian are you a Republican or a Democrat you should say on which issue because you're able to hold them and go hey on this I'm conservative on this I, or on this I would align with the conservatives on this I would align with the liberals because the Bible is not red or blue. But unfortunately, that's the cause of why a lot of people are deconstructing. And on the flip side, like you said, that's where a lot of the deconstruction gets it wrong, is either the reaction to it is overly conservative, or the the process of deconstruction is overly progressive, and it's political in nature, not spiritual.
0: Yep. And so it's a pendulum that is swinging. You have people from A background similar to mine. I live in a county that was 76, 78% conservative in the last election. And so I grew up with all these beliefs. And so once I started questioning them, it's extremely easy to swing all the way to the other side and say, well, that was wrong. So this other thing has to be right, as opposed to, well, maybe the truth is found somewhere in the tension Right. between the two maybe there isn't a solid answer on that and mm-hmm. so what's happening in the deconstruction movement is because there's so much animosity towards what you grew up in you feel like you cannot agree with anything that you have to run as far away from that thing as you possibly can right. or else you're going to be associated with that and you don't want to be associated with those people anymore yeah 100 true on that Hey, everyone. So this conversation actually went uh, about an hour. So to respect your time, we're going to cut it off here. And then we're going to bring part two of Doubts and Deconstruction back next week. So if you're not subscribed already, go ahead and subscribe to the show. So you'll get it next Monday, the back half of this conversation. If you have any feedback so far, if you want to continue the conversation or have questions, I'm at Jonathan underscore corone on Twitter and Instagram. Eric is at Eric W712 on Instagram. We'd love to start this conversation with you and keep it going, but subscribe so you can get the back half of this episode next week. We hope you have a great week.
1: school.